0: Once upon a time, a little lighthouse was built on a sharp point of the shore in the Hudson Valley. It was round and fat and red and jolly, and it was very, very proud. Behind it lay New York City, where the people lived. Before it sailed the boats on which the people rode. Up and down, up and down sailed the boats. On and on rolled the river. All the way from Lake Tear in the clouds, high up in the mountains, came the Hudson River, It rolled and rolled and rolled. It rolled past Albany. It rolled past New York. It went on forever, looking for the sea. Now the boats on the river talked to the little red lighthouse as they passed. Hoot, 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 how are you, said the big steamer with its deep, throaty whistle. Salute, lisped the slender canoe as it slid along the shore. "'Chug, chug, chug, a cheerio,' called the fat black tug as it puffed on its way, pulling a load of coal on a barge. By day, the Little Red Lighthouse did not answer. It was quiet when the boats called. It was still. But every night, just at fall of dark, a man came to tend the Little Red Lighthouse. He took out his jingling keys, he unlocked the small red door and its die. He climbed its steep and winding stairs, up, 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 to the very top— He turned on the gas with a funny small black key. Up, 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 flowed the gas from the six red tanks below. Then the little red lighthouse spoke out plainly. Flash, flash, flash. Watch my rocks. Keep away. It felt big and useful and important. What would the boats do without me, it thought. It felt very, very proud. I'm Matt Zucker, and this is City learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. Episode 50. There are roughly 700 lighthouses across the United States, 51 here in New York State, the oldest in Montauk dating back to 1792. Closer to home for me is the Hudson River, where there are seven lighthouses remaining. I love lighthouses. They're also adorable, dramatic, and interesting looking. Brian loves them too. We were just in Rockland, Maine, and we visited the Maine Lighthouse Museum. In fact, Brian was the one that told me all about the Little Red Lighthouse next to the George Washington Bridge, the Jeffers Point Lighthouse, from the children's book I just read to you from. Published in 1942 by Harcourt, the Little Red Lighthouse was written by Hildebard Swift and Lynn Ward. I grew up in New Jersey and didn't even know it was there. Each lighthouse, though, is full of stories. The Saugerties Lighthouse is one of my favorites. The first one was built in 1834 on land donated by Robert Livingston. As the river got busier, including the ferry that ran from Tivoli to the town of Saugerties, over time the lighthouse would constantly get upgraded. The first lighthouse keeper was Abraham Persons, hired in 1835. But the story goes that Persons took But the story goes that Persons took one look at the very basic lighthouse and refused to live in it. He rented it out And lived in town himself. His boss got wind of it and traveled all the way from Washington DC to fire him. The Roundout Lighthouse, further south, has a whole family dynasty of lighthouse keepers. Reading a book called Hudson River Lighthouses, I learned that after a series of single male keepers, George Murdoch was the first family keeper. Appointed in 1856 by President Franklin Pierce, all keepers were originally appointed by the US president. George and his wife, Catherine, and their children moved into the first wooden lighthouse. One day, though, in 1857, George went ashore for groceries and was never seen alive again. His body was found floating in the creek. The cause of death? Accidental drowning while intoxicated. Left a widow with three young children, Catherine took her newborn son, James, down to the U.S. Lighthouse Board in D.C. to petition in person to be made Keeper. She argued that Baby James could have no better training to become a keeper himself than to be raised in a lighthouse. The board agreed, and she was appointed keeper. Years later, a flood was brewing on Roundout Creek, and a friend urged Catherine to come ashore. She replied, I will never desert my post of duty. I am a woman I know, but if the lighthouse goes down tonight, I go with it. There's a whole list of terminology with lighthouses about the tools, the architecture, the people. Here are a few of my favorite terms and definitions. Your sort of city at guide to the language of lighthouses. First, there are different kinds of lighthouses. One is a bug light and that's usually a very small tower. This is very different from a cottage style lighthouse. This lighthouse is comprised of a small one story building with light on top that would house the keeper. Okay, next is kind of visual, the eclipse. An eclipse is an interval of darkness between appearances of a light. So when the little red lighthouse goes flash, 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 then there's an eclipse before it goes flash, flash, flash again. For your ears, there's the fog signal. This is any type of audible device that could warn mariners from obstacles during a period of heavy fog when the light could not be seen. Bells, whistles, and horns, either manually power operated were all used with varying degrees of success now a keeper as you already know is the person who services and repairs a lighthouse keeper of the light he and yes there are many women keepers she must be ready to respond to emergencies like shipwrecks the nickname though for lighthouse keepers though is wiki derived from the task of trimming the wick of the lamps get it All lighthouses have at the top a beacon. The beacon is housed in a room with large windows all the way around called a lantern room and that's topped with a dome roof called a cupola. The lantern room is where the actual light of the lighthouse was. Before modern technology and automation the keeper would have to keep the light shining. Every night he or she would have to light the lamps and make sure they burned brightly and did not run out of oil. This usually meant several trips a night, schlepping up and down the stairs. During the hours of darkness, the light was never to go out, and if the lighthouse service received complaints that the light was not lit or was poorly lit, the lightkeeper would be danger of losing his or her job. Today, all lighthouses are automated. Well, with the exception of Boston Light, first built in 1716, Boston Light is the oldest continuously used and only manned lighthouse in the U.S., in November 1989, just as the Coast Guard was preparing to automate the light and remove personnel from Little Brewster, Massachusetts, the U.S. Senate passed a law sponsored by Senator Kennedy requiring that Boston light be permanently manned. Okay, have two more. The lens. The lens is the glass optical system used to concentrate the light in a desired direction. And the last is a ferrologist. A phorologist is one who studies or is interested in lighthouses, including sitiots. So, I'm a ferologist, but yeah, not an expert. Okay, so I thought it would be good if we talked to a real expert so we could hear the origin story of the Hudson Valley lighthouses, including the Jeffreys Hook Lighthouse, the Little Red Lighthouse, from the book. So let's meet Sarah Wasberg-Johnson.
1: My name is Sarah Wasberg Johnson and I'm the Director of Exhibits and Outreach at the Hudson River Maritime Museum in Kingston, New York. So Hudson River lighthouses were really essential to safe transportation on the Hudson River. The Hudson River was once the major industrial and passenger transportation highway on the whole eastern seaboard um, and these lighthouses were built starting in 1826 and that kind of coincides with a bunch of major events including the opening of the Erie Canal in 1825, the D&H Canal in 1828, and the end of the Livingston-Fulton steamboat monopoly, which was decided by a Supreme Court case, Gibbons v. Ogden, in 1824. So what that meant is, all of a sudden, you have a huge influx of traffic, you have a huge expansion of steamboat traffic on the Hudson River in particular, And also you have more and more vessels traveling at night. So starting in 1826, these Hudson River lighthouses began to be built. They're built and replaced throughout the 19th and into the 20th century. They once dotted the shorelines of Hudson River towns throughout the valley. But today only 7 extant lighthouses remain, one at Hudson Athens, Saugernes, Rondout, Esopus Meadows, Sleepy Hollow, Stony Point, and Jeffrey's Hook. There is also an early lighthouse that remains in New York Harbor, Robin's Reef, and the Statue of Liberty was once an official lighthouse when it first opened in 1886. Almost all of these lighthouses are now open to the public on a regular basis in the summer, but most are accessible only by boat. The Rondout Lighthouse, which is operated by the Hudson River Maritime Museum, is probably the most accessible, with tours every day, Thursday through Sunday, throughout the summer months and the museum also partners with the Save Esopus Lighthouse Commission to offer tours for the Esopus Meadows Lighthouse monthly.
0: I love lighthouses. I want them. I want to live in one of them. But do we need them? I asked Sarah.
1: We don't really need lighthouses anymore for navigation aid. They are still official navigation aids. Um, The lighthouses that are left and a lot of the lost lighthouses have been replaced with what we call skeleton lights Which are basically automated lights on top of this metal scaffolding So they are still navigation aids even though the structures are no longer there But most vessels, especially large freight vessels and other vessels involved in transportation of goods and people are not usually navigating by lighthouse alone anymore but in the 19th century they were really crucial to navigation particularly navigation at night unlike cars <laughs> boats don't really have headlights so it can get very dark traveling on the river at night but it was crucial because steamboats allowed people to ship goods and also to travel at night in a way that that sloops and schooners and other sailboats did not allow most of them anchored for the night the lighthouses in the Hudson Valley do have a couple of different reasons for being where they are usually. Um, Most of them are marking areas where it's shallow or there's obstacles in the water, but a number of them also are marking major ports. For instance, the Saugones and Rondout Lighthouses in particular are marking tributaries of the Hudson River, the Rondout Creek and the Esopus Creek, both of which were pretty important. Industrial ports, particularly Rondout, which is a natural deep water port.
0: Okay, that's geography, but what about design?
1: At one point, there were four lighthouses on the Hudson River that were all built from the exact same architectural plans at one point. The second Rondout lighthouse The Sargates Lighthouse, the Koksaki Lighthouse, and the Stuyvesant Lighthouse were all built from the exact same plans in the 1860s. So you couldn't rely on, even if you could see, the structure itself to give you a clue as to where you were. So they had um, often different lengths of time between flashes for the revolving lights. And if you would count the seconds uh, between the flashes, that would tell you what lighthouse you were approaching. So that was how people could tell.
0: Okay so now the most famous one I mean other than the Statue of Liberty has got to be the Little Red Lighthouse like from the storybook.
1: So the Jeffrey's Hook Lighthouse which is also known as the Little Red Lighthouse made very famous by the 1940s children's book by Hildegard Swift. It was actually moved from a different location. It was originally located on Sandy Hook um, in New Jersey, but it was taken down because of erosion and put into storage, and so when they decided to put a lighthouse at Jefferson in the 1920s, 1921, they just took that existing lighthouse out of storage and constructed it there, and you know, within 10 years, the George Washington Bridge is being constructed and overshadowing the lighthouse, basically rendering it obsolete, so that's kind of what the children's book is based on. The Coast Guard originally planned to demolish the, or remove the Jefferson lighthouse in the 1950s and thanks in large part to the children's book, there was a big letter writing campaign by kids from across the country to prevent that lighthouse from being taken down and so that's why we still have the Jefferson lighthouse or the little red lighthouse today.
0: Thank you Hudson Athens Lighthouse Preservation Society, Hudson River Lighthouse Coalition, and United States Lighthouse Society for all the knowledge. And special thanks to Sarah Wasberg Johnson and her team at the Hudson River Maritime Museum. For more information about the museum, including lighthouse tours, solar-powered boat rides, exhibits, woodworking, and boat building classes, and sailing and rowing lessons, visit hrmm.org or follow the museum on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening to the special episode, our 50th, if you can believe it. City is is three years old this month, which I can't believe. It seems only yesterday I was recording out of the picnic table, wondering if anyone would listen. Yet here we are, four seasons and 50 episodes later, with national and local press, a chronogramming for Best Regional Podcast, a communicator award for excellence, and more than 30,000 plays, hundreds of listeners, including you. You want to wish us a happy anniversary? Send a voicemail message via anchor.fm/slash Sidiot or drop a message on Instagram or the Facebook group. And if you want to send a gift, well, buy some merch via Sidiot.com or even better, leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast Store. It's a lighthouse to help more people find us in the dark. I'm Matt Zucker, grateful and inspired. The rains have stopped, and I think we're going to do Shabbat on the Hudson River. It's beautiful. Come visit.